Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 65, WCW New Japan Super Show 2. Super Warriors in Tokyo Dome. It's so hard not to say the Tokyo Dome. But I guess it's your translation. Maybe it's the Tokyo Dome. It's not, it's not the Tokyo Egg Dome. I don't like it when they say that. Well, Super Warriors in Tokyo Dome is Japanese, so it probably wasn't in the... That's probably a literal translation. Yeah. It's uh, Super Tokyo Dome Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> so the Super Show was a joint production between WCW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. It would take place on January 4th, 1992 in the Tokyo Dome in Tokyo, Japan. The attendance was 50,000 people, mm-hmm. making it the eighth largest crowd in pro wrestling history. Was it... <laughs> big big air big air quotes the uh was the 91 super show bigger it was but it, had it was a 60, 60 65 which like i assume is like where the tokyo dome taps out probably when, it, when the tokyo dome exactly. taps out to the octopus hold <laughs> <laughs> but new japan would end up making january 4th an annual tradition Becoming their biggest show of the year. Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, granted, it wasn't Wrestle Kingdom for a long time. Only, what, 16 years? Yeah, we're in 92. Yeah, so, yeah. It's around like 2004, 2005. Yeah, but they still they are having January. Wrestle Kingdom. But January 4th becomes it's, their annual tradition mm-hmm. of their biggest show of the, of the year. And this is the first fourth one? This is the first one that on they the ever fourth. had on January 4th. Well, not to bury the lead, but not the, not the worst first January 4th show. While the show would take place on January 4th in Japan, the United States wouldn't see footage until March of 92. Yeah. Which means that WCW actually had a whole nother pay-per-view in between Starcade and when this would be shown in in Super Bowl 2, which we'll cover in two weeks. Yeah, but we're going to keep it with like the date of the, the date show, of show, yeah, because of just because that's when it happened. That's when it happened. Yeah, that's when it happened. So there would be if you find a copy of this because it is a, it's a tape. Yeah, it's not on the network. But if you do find a copy, the commentators do make mention of stuff that happens at Super Brawl Two. But when those comments were made, we decided that we wouldn't spoil. Anything that happens at Super Brawl 2. Yeah. Even though, yeah. And it's also, you know, it's a cut show. Like, they, they, they take out some of the matches that are specifically Japanese wrestlers or whatever. So, like I said, we have the American pay-per-view on tape. So, But we also found three of the Japanese matches on Daily Motion. So we included them as well. Mm-hmm. I'm glad, um, I am honestly very glad we did. And just so I'm not having to say it basically every match... Most of the New Japan talent we haven't seen since the last Super Show, episode 55. Yeah. Unless I 
make other mention of. But it's just a standing. We haven't seen him for basically an entire year. So. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's no reason to be like, the last time we saw Hiroshi Hase was at the last Super Show. It's like, exactly. well, yeah, of course. Of course. Because he's, yeah, he's we've not. Only, we've only watched, yeah. this is only our third time with New Japan. If it's not, if it's not Liger or Muda, then like, we haven't, then like, we, you know, we last time we saw him was at a Super Show. Exactly. So other things that were happening around the beginning of 1992, because this is our first ni- 1992 show. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Thelma and Louise would be released on VHS the next week. I don't know if I'm a big Ridley Scott fan, but I'm a big Alien fan. But I haven't yes. seen Thelma and Louise. It's just two weeks in a row that I've, I know. I got to get on. Movies. I got to get on it. And like the uh, movie guy, too. I am. I know that. I know the end of Thelma and Louise. It's been parodied. We've all seen Wayne's oh, yeah. One and Two. Totally. I like Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon. And uh, this is like the beginning and of Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. This is like the beginning of Brad Pitt. It's like, oh well. Pfft. Brad Pitt is always hot, but here's like, he's, he's kind of, it is. He's Brad but, Pitt. Yeah, it's like, yeah, he never, never looks bad, but he's uh, a lightning in a bottle here. Indeed. At least, uh, I mean, I haven't seen the movie. I don't know how his performance is, but look, mean, he, the, he the, the man looks good. I've seen some screenshots. He continues to get work after this movie. <laughs> yeah. And an annular solar eclipse was visible, including a partial one, in Tokyo, Japan on... January fourth. You scrape, you scraping the barrel. Scraping the barrel. Oh, what's the what's the number one uh, song in Japan <laughs> this week? There was nothing <laughs> happening. Yeah, Thelma and I mean, Thelma was a big movie. Released on VHS. Oh, yeah. Not in the theaters on VHS. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, ninety two VHS is only only growing. But it's not like what was happening January fourth. WCW New Japan Super Show. Super Show. Super Warriors in Tokyo don't. <laughs> yeah. That was a bad uh, Dusty, but, it was. you know. Sorry. I'm Dusty's sorry. on the show. It all works. Mine was bad, too. Turner Home Entertainment presents, and we get footage of wrestlers that are participating before the logo comes on the screen. I love this logo. And we've seen the Tokyo Dome. Uh, it's the same logo as last time, basically. It is. It just says the, a Roman numeral 2, and a similar entrance as well, although it, I don't think it's as good as the other one. Where it's like somebody entering the dome. Did we get that entrance last time? I thought that was just at a random show. I don't know. Maybe I'm conflating it. But it is a similar entry. It's a similar entrance. Yeah, we see but, people walking into yeah. the building, getting their ticket taken, and then we see a huge crowd shot of the entire, the entire building, the fifty thousand people that are it there. It looks uh, pretty wild. They definitely spent some, uh, spent some money here. But it was mostly, probably uh, some New Japan money. Because <laughs> just to remind you, the last WCW show. I had 9,000 people. people. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine Super Brawl having many more. Probably not. <laughs> I haven't got to it yet, but I'm just going to put that out there. So Eric Bischoff actually welcomes us to the tape of yeah. the show, previewing some of the matches that we're going to see. He's our tape jockey. And then we go to Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone, who welcome us to the show. So we get to our first match. Mm-hmm. Jushin, Thunder Liger, Masashi Ayagi, and Akira Nogami versus the blonde outlaws of Hiro Saito and Norio Hanaga and Super Strong Machine. And Jushin Thunder Liger is wearing purple. It's wild. It's a wild. It's a, it's a. It's just so weird. But I like it. 
And JR right away tells us that they might not know much about these wrestlers. Because none of them are WCW guys other than Liger. I'll tell you right now that uh, JR here on this show does better than he did recently within the last two years at New Japan. Where I know exactly what show you're talking about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I love you, JR. But damn, if you don't know the guy's names, don't cash the check. So the heels attack before the bell with Super Strong Machine throwing Akira to the floor and Nagath takes Liger out as well while Sato body slams Masashi followed by a backbreaker and a snapmare. And Naga continues the attack with chops. Super Strong Machine locks a sleeper on Masashi but a kick to the head helps him escape. Akira with multiple kicks, elbows, but a back suplex and a head slam into the turnbuckle. Super Strong Machine back in control. I think... Every time we've seen Super Strong Machine, he's always been in the first match of a show. Yes. <laughs> Just put it out there. I mean, we've seen him more than more than twice, but... It's only the second time we've seen him. Really? Yeah. I'm just getting conflated with other uh, anonymous mass wrestlers. Hanagi rubber band slams Masashi, begins to choke him, and Saito's in with a body slam and an eye rake. Aoyagi returns the eye rake, hits a body slam, and Liger comes in off the top rope with a double stomp. Jushin kicks the others off the apron, which allows Saito to recover and hit multiple jawbreakers and a back body drop. I was kind of caught off guard by the double stomp. We see a lot of double stomps now these days, but like I was like, ooh, like cool, neat. Super Strong Machine with a gut buster goes for a vertical suplex, but Liger floats over, running the ropes, ducking multiple clotheslines before sliding under Super Strong Machine and hits a flipping hill kick. Masashi reverses a Hanaga Irish whip and charges in with a splash, going for a leg lariat that Norio ducks, but Aoyagi turns to hit a knee lift. Akira comes in for the two to hit a double back elbow on Hanagi, followed by a Nagami locking on a single leg crap, but Saito comes in to break up the hold. You can get out of a, du- oh, a single leg crab. Shouldn't need assistance for that. Super Strong Machine takes over with the body slam, hits a clothesline, and the heels then cut, all come into the ring for an Irish whip-aided splash into the corner, followed by an Irish whip-aided clothesline on Akira. Saito keeps it going with an elbow drop, head slam into a turnbuckle, goes for an Irish whip, but is reversed by Akira and falls in with a dropkick. After an Akira snapmare, the faces all come in to lay it on Saito before Liger hits another snapmare, a somersault senton, a backbreaker, comes off the second rope with a moonsault for a two-count. The somersault was very cool. Liger runs Saito's head into Masashi's boot, who then tags him to deliver many elbows and kicks, turns Hiro over into a Boston Crab, but Saito is able to grab the ropes to break the hold. Snapmare, body slammed by Masashi, Akira comes in off the top rope with an elbow drop, begins stretching him, and turns it into an ab stretch, but Saito hip-tosses Nagami off, making his way to his corner for a tag, when Akira stops him, pulling him back to the middle of the ring and locking in the single leg crab once again, which Super Strong Machine comes in with a headbutt to break up the hold. What is the deal with Japanese wrestlers just always being better and at, like, mat wrestling? Because even, like, great American mat wrestlers, like, even not guys that aren't even, like, great Japanese, like, or, like, highly regarded Japanese wrestlers, their mat game is always just better and more believable. Because they have to live in that dojo. <laughs> I guess so. For many All I'm years. saying is, like, is was Stu Hart really that great? 
I mean, a lot of these guys <laughs> know what they're doing as well. Yeah, I know, but it's just one of those things. Like, it always just seems a little bit more be- believable, more fluid. Every, I think maybe the Americans got lazy and just kept doing the reverse chin lock. It's not the style that they're going to work in America, I basically. know, but it's the style that I want and need. So I'm glad to be here. Liger and Akira with a wishbone. Jushin goes for an Irish whip that is reversed by Saito, who hits a spine buster. Super strong machine with a vertical suplex. Elbow drop on Liger. Hanaga and Saito with a double team flapjack of Jushin. Mm. Norio goes up to the top rope, but Liger's there to meet him, only for Saito to hit him from behind to knock Jushin to the mat. Hanaga then comes off with a flying clothesline for a two count. Goes for an Irish whip that's reversed by Liger who hits a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker. I mean, he's going to do it. Jushin places Hanaga up on the top rope and climbs up as well, hitting a super butterfly suplex. I was wondering what that was called. I was like, oh, it's kind of a fisherman suplex-ish. It's butterfly suplex. Butterfly suplex. You learn things. Akira locks on a full Nelson, only for Hanaga to escape with a low blow, slamming Nagami's head into Super Strong Machine's knee who then continues with chokes and punches. Super Strong Machine then lifts Akira while Hanaga comes off the top rope for the spike pile driver and multiple two counts. Masashi comes in with multiple chops and kicks on Super Strong Machine. Liger and Akira then return the spike pile driver to Super Strong Machine as well. So the spike is off somebody assisting you off the top? Correct. Okay, I was thinking, uh, like, what is the... What do they call the pile driver that like Terry Funk does? Like the fallback one yeah. that looks really sloppy. What is that? Called? Is there? Is that just a? It's just a pile driver. Just a pile driver. And it's like yeah, the tombstone pile driver is the one where you drop to the knees. Yeah. But there's something special about those uh, fallback. I always call them fallback pile drivers because like you know what it is. But I just wasn't sure if those actually had a name. I guess it's probably the original pile driver. Yeah. The other one looks cleaner, but there's something sloppy about the other one that's probably more dangerous, but it just makes it look worse. I think the fallback one's safer than the You think so? Stone. Really? Yeah. Because usually... The other ones, it's not straight back, yeah. Because if you're falling back, you can close your legs, and the head mm. just hits your yeah. legs. Okay. While with the tombstone... Yeah, if you're it's not a lot holding, more If you're not holding them high enough... You're going to make me throw up thinking about it. That head can hit... It's hurt many, many people. I like the fallback one better. I do too. I just it it adds it feels it adds more realism. I feel like yeah. Blams. And that was the pile driver corner. <laughs> Jushin goes for a scoop slam, but Super Strong Machine blocks and hits a power slam. Saito's in with a vertical suplex. Hanago in also for them to try the double team flatjack again, but this time Liger double drop kicks them both. You can't pull one over on a superhero. It's gonna learn. Masashi with a series of kicks on Saito and Super Strong Machine until the machine catches a foot and clotheslines Aoyagi to the mat. Super Strong Machine goes up to the top rope after a body slam, coming off with a falling headbutt that misses, and then Liger comes flying in with a headbutt of his own. Akira also comes off the top rope with a missile drop kick on Super Strong Machine, a drop kick on Saito, goes for an Irish whip that's reversed, and Hiro then back body drops Nagami. But Hanaga catches him for them to deliver a double-team powerbomb for a near fall. Saito with a senton. All six men jump in the ring to brawl for a moment before Hanagi and Super Strong Machine toss Liger and Masashi to the floor. 
Saito then hits a body slam on Akira, comes off the second rope with a senton for the pin, and the no, no Liger makes the save. Akira then reverses a waist lock and hits the dragon suplex for the pin, and, and the win. Fun six-man tag to start us off. Yeah, I think so too. There's not a lot of tension, but there's a lot of good high spots. It could have been a little bit shorter, but you know. Better than anything that we watched on the last, last show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, moving on, we got quite the banger. So, our second match the Enforcers of Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco. Uh, the Cruncher. Exactly. <laughs> Versus Michiyoshi Ohara and Shiro Koshinika. So, I found out that Ohara was still actually a young lion. At this point, I was curious about that. I didn't look it up, but I was going to ask you because I knew you'd have the answer. But I had that vibe because, like, they're talking about how young he is. He obviously looks young. He's kind of got like the buzz cut. He's not wearing the black trunks, but you know, this was a long time ago. I don't know what they were doing with young lines then, and maybe they didn't do excursions. Maybe you just leveled up, and this yeah. is like his first time where he gets to like. But also, this guy as like. So much energy, and it's just like buzzing from this crowd. But I mean, how can you not be exactly. buzzing from 50,000 people? And also get to be in the ring with, you know, Arn Anderson, Anderson and Larry Zabisco, who you like, you know, you can have a good match with. So Arn goes in for a handshake, but Kashinika waves him away, which I was like, Arn's the one that's gonna be the good guy here? <laughs> I mean, you know, as JR said early in this show, that they always want. A uh, athletic contest, so sports-based presentation. Exactly. The heels are still gonna have, are still like they they want to win, and they at least have a monochrome of respect for the fact that this is an athletic contest. And they're in a different country; they're the guests. Arn Anderson isn't drawn fifty thousand people, whether we think he should or not. He should. Yeah, but that never happened. Put the belt on. But that never happened. He would. <laughs> Yeah, put the belt on him now. Why not? What the hell, What's going on in AEW? Who cares? Put it on Arn Anderson. John Moxley, who? Yeah, exactly. Let him spine. Let him let, let him get spine busted. One spine buster onto Darby Allen's skateboard, and Arn Anderson is the champion. O'Hara <laughs> <laughs> with an arm drag hits a shoulder block, starts running the ropes. Whereas Abisko tries for a drop kick, but Michiyoshi holds onto the ropes to avoid it. Another arm drag by O'Hara, but Larry steamrolls him back into his corner to make a tag. I like that JR explains that the Americans are uh, heels here. He doesn't say it. He doesn't say heels, but like he basically is like, oh yeah, like you know how we do that to people that aren't from our country? <laughs> it's pretty funny. Anderson and O'Hara trade arm locks until Kashinika comes in for a double team headbutt. Kashinika with multiple strikes, but Arn regains control with a knee lift. A snapmare, knee drop, and a neck snap. Sabisco continues the attack with an ab stretch, which is then turned into a roll-up for a two-count. The Crusher goes for a hip toss, but is blocked and reversed by Kashinika for one of his own. But Larry comes back with a single-leg takedown and starts working on Shiro's leg. Fireman carry takeover by Sabisco. Double A goes for an Irish whip that is reversed. He stumbles back out of the corner into a back body drop by Kashinika, followed by multiple drop kicks. Arn challenges O'Hara to a test of strength, but hits a cheap shot to get Mishiyoshi to the mat. But O'Hara powers up to take Anderson down. 
Double A has a hammer lock on when Ohara hits a body slam, but Arn holds onto the arm to take Mishiyoshi into a head scissors, who reverses it into a side headlock. The Crusher comes in with a side headlock takedown, which Ohara reverses into a head scissors as well, which Zabisco escapes by flipping over into a jackknife pin attempt before settling back into a side headlock. So lots of mat wrestling in this match. Yeah, like, yeah. Right before you paused, I was about to butt in and say, y'all like wrestling? Because, like, this is what I want all the time. And I don't get it all the time. Not on this show. No. So this feels good. Especially, it's a little extra good. After... Last week. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the turd bowl. The flushing. O'Hara hits a side Russian leg sweep to escape. Kashinika's in with a vertical suplex. A double clothesline by the Japanese gentleman. A snapmare by Shiro. More strikes. But Larry hits a mule kick to escape and takes Kashinika to the corner. Anderson with a backbreaker. Leg drop. Neck breaker. The crusher is in with a vertical suplex for a two count. Zabisco slams Kashinika's head into Arn's boot. Locks in a Boston Crab until O'Hara breaks up the hold. Double A locks the crab back on, where the enforcers do the palm-to-the-forehead leverage Mm, bit again. I love it. I love it. A double-team throw into the turnbuckle, and Zabisco locks on the ab stretch with leverage from Anderson. And it's just one of those things, like, that seems like it would be comedic, but when you have these two, like, salty dads doing it, they're just being shitty and they just want to win. Arn tosses Kashinika to the ropes, ducks his head, allowing himself to be kicked. And Shiro makes it to his corner for the hot tag. O'Hara jumps in with a body slam of Anderson, knocks Zabisco down, elbow drop, side Russian leg sweep, locks on a Boston Crab onto Arn until the crusher breaks up the hold. Yeah, a crab for a crab. O'Hara with another body slam, multiple elbow drops, another body slam, Goes up to the top rope, hitting another elbow drop for a two count. Um, O'Hara just has, like, so much energy. Kashinika with a hip attack on both enforcers, but for making the cover for the near fall. O'Hara's back in with another body slam on double A, a suplex on Zabisco, makes the cover, but Anderson breaks it up. Boo. Arn then tosses O'Hara to the ropes, misses a clothesline, but Larry gets a knee into the back of Michiyoshi, which makes him stumble out for Anderson to grab him, hit the spine buster for the pin, and, and the, the win. win. And it's one of those things, it's like, oh, like that's another one of the tells that I was like, oh, Aura's looks, it's probably, you know, a young lion, or just out of being a young lion, because it's like, well, who's taking the pin here? So we're headed off to our third match, Dusty and Dustin Rhodes versus Masa Saito and Kim Duck. Don't know Kim Duck, uh, but you know, Masa Saito, Saito Suplex. What we should have done is count the Saito Suplexes for this show. So Kim Duck <laughs> was actually in the WWF for a little while as Tiger Chung Lee. We don't ever see him. It was like what, in the like WWF or like WWF? WWF, yeah. But like, he just uh, never made a pay per view or anything. But, but okay, so it has, was he was in the WWF for. Fans. I was thinking maybe it was like a you know pre Hogan Sheik deal no. or pre pay per view deal. He just came over and, and partied for a bit. 
And we haven't seen Dusty in the ring no. since the Royal Rumble 1991. You know what happened? Uh, Dusty was a big enough name at some point to for people in Japan to want to see him. Also, you think Dusty's not gonna per- gonna go to Japan and not perform in front of fifty thousand people? Come on, you know you know he's a hog. I mean, you can see that him and Masa Saito during this match have had a few battles in their days. Oh yeah, yeah. And Dusty is just like soaking up all of this shit. Exactly. Like yeah. It's good, and we're going to get to it. So Duck hits an arm drag early on, but Dustin returns the favors. Both men start running the ropes with Rhodes going for a leapfrog, which he almost, almost. completely blotches. <laughs> yeah. It's a little rough. But, I mean, Duck is really big. He is. Like, I mean, Dustin Rhodes is a big guy too, but Duck is big and, like, just kind of more awkward. Dustin then hits a body slam, a flying head scissors, and an arm drag before going to work on Kim's arm. After being tossed to the ropes, Dustin hits a shoulder block, a hip toss, and a drop kick to send Duck out to the floor, then slingshots Kim back into the ring once he's on the apron. Arm drag and back to working on the arm by Dustin, but multiple knees leave Duck in control, who then tries to tag in Saito, who just kind of waves him off. Like, hey, yeah, he's like, yeah, this. you got this. Yeah, got it's, this. Pretty, it's pretty funny. More arm work, and again, Duck looks towards Saito. Again, he waves him off, but in the momentary distraction, allows Dustin to take Kim to his corner for Dusty to tag in. Big Dust? Dusty then runs Duck into his own corner, calling out Saito, does some dancing, and Masa finally decides to come into the ring. Uh, My heart grew two sizes too big whenever Dusty started dancing in front of all those people because I know that it made his heart grow two sizes too big as well. As if his heart was not already enlarged. Masa then does the little <laughs> dusty roll that Dustin wrote. <laughs> and then he flips the crowd. Uh, so good. The crowd's pumped. Dusty hits the bionic elbow, tosses Saito out on the rampway where he body slams him and el- hits an elbow drop. Masa makes his way back into the ring and offers a hand of sportsmanship only to hit a cheap shot and multiple other strikes with Dusty selling like he was hit with an electric shock. (laughs) Dusty Rhodes is an electric shock. Saito with an arm lock on Rhodes, but Dusty goes for multiple headbutts to escape, only to fall down because of Masa's hard head. He's got a tough one. Dusty finally tosses Saito to the ropes, hits a back elbow, chops, more bionic elbows, and a vertical suplex for a two-count. Baby. Ducks in with a series of strikes, locks on a trap hold. Saito's then in... I mean, look at Duck. Can he do much that's not a trap hold? (laughs) Saito's then in for some double-team action. Kim is holding Dusty, and Masa goes for a clothesline, only for Rhodes to move out of the way, and Duck takes the blow. Dustin's in with a flying clothesline on Saito, double noggin knocker on the two men, but gets stuck in his opponent's corner with him overwhelming him with several chops a double vertical suplex, and Duck hits a pile driver for a near fall. Dustin's then tossed to the ropes and ducks a clothesline, coming back with a crossbody that Kim ducks, which sends Rhodes out to the ramp. <laughs> Dusty comes over to keep anyone from coming out to attack him. Back in the ring, another vertical suplex and a trap hold by Duck. A body slam and goes to the top rope, but Dustin meets him there and press slams him to the mat for a two count. Dustin hits a snap mare and elbow drop, 
Dusty and Saito are both tagged in with Rhodes locking on an intense arm lock. But then Dustin comes off the second rope with an axe handle. Masa battles back with a Saito suplex for a two count. Hits another one and Dusty makes the save this time. Dustin tosses Saito to the ropes and the two men run into each other for a double KO. Bonk. Duck comes in. Dustin steps aside the attack and begins hammering away with strikes of his own, hitting a drop kick for a two count. Duck then takes Dustin back to a corner and goes for an Irish whip, which is reversed. And Kim bounces out of the corner into a gut kick from Rhodes, who then comes off the ropes for a running bulldog for the pin. And, and the, the win. win. I knew when I saw the bulldog it was over. Another thing that made my heart grow two sizes too big was when Dustin gets the crossbody and rolls to the ramp, and then Big Dust, the American Dream, stands in front of him. Protect his protect, baby protect, boy. Protect his baby boy. I like that a lot. I thought that was good. This is good stuff. Good, solid stuff. It's not the greatest match on the card, but it's better than a lot of matches that we've watched on a lot of shows. Agreed. Even with old Kim Duck. And granted, Dusty's not in the greatest shape either, but he never was. Dusty's all personality. It's like, you, you love him because he's lovable. They made sure to not have him do anything that no. made him look bad. No, no, no. He came in there and he did his things and like got the pops. He saved, you know, protected his son and his son did the, the did the did the work. Yeah. But yeah, I uh, I like this match, and it gets five funky monkeys out of five funky monkeys. <laughs> so we're off to our fourth match, Tony Hame versus Scott Norton, and this is one of the matches that was found on Daily Motion. Mm-hmm. This is a match I almost didn't watch. I forgot about the extra ones, so I, I this one's fresher in my mind. So the commentary on these matches is in Japanese, obviously, because it's from the Japanese showing. But Hame, some people will know him as Ludwig Borga in the WWF later later on. When What time period is that? I believe it's just like a couple years later really? after this. He might be the most terrifying man I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm going to put over Tony real quick. I started this matchup. I know Scott Norton really was never a thing in the U.S., but he's pretty over here in Japan. I mean, he he's a thing kind of. Flash Scott Norton during the NWO time in WCW. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. I knew that. He's I part of the B those team. Games. Yeah, but he's a beast, uh, and he's pretty over in Japan here at the moment. But this Tony Hallmay guy is like a like Brock Lesnar, but like nine inches taller. Yeah, he's got like the the face. He's a little bit. More handsome than Brock because Brock is uh, not my type, that's for sure. But he's he's taller. He looks menacing, and I was interested in who this guy was. So I did a Wikipedia, and I would highly suggest that everybody looks up Tony Hallmay's Wikipedia because he is a boxer, a politician, a wrestler, an actor, and a shoot Nazi that also committed suicide real good wikipedia read you're gonna be on the edge of your seat take it take it over man you might have spoiled most of the wikipedia page for him ah there's still some other stuff in there it's worth it (laughs) like i these were bullet points i would read a book or watch a documentary about this man 
no problem. Honestly, I think that if season season three of Dark Side of the Ring should should, should definitely should on this guy. definitely do that because like I love the Road Warriors, but the Road Warrior episode didn't really teach me anything. It was just like oh, like it was good, but like this guy, you could do a, a two hour on this guy. <laughs> so the two men would lock up until a cheap shot by Hame, but Norton regains control after an Irish whip followed by an avalanche splash in the corner. Side headlocked by Scott, but Tony was shots to the kidney area and a body slam to escape. Hallmay then locks on the side headlock, and Norton escapes by tossing Tony to the ropes, missing a clothesline, but then hits a flying shoulder tackle, a three-point stance shoulder block, a back elbow, and a clothesline to take him down. And at this point in the match, I was just thinking... Where's JR to tell me about his football career? <laughs> Scott with a headbutt and another clothesline, and Hallmay is boasted open. And shoot bust? Hardway, baby. Hard, yeah, I mean, it looks kind of clean, but I can't see this man blading. Norton with a snapmare locks on the reverse chin lock and hits a hangman's neckbreaker. Basically a rude's awakening. Yeah, yeah. For a two count. Scott goes to pick Tony up for a body slam, but multiple shots to the body, and Hame hits a Samoan drop. These are big, strong boys. I want to just chant big, strong boys throughout the, all of what you're saying. More body shots, Irish whip and a crossbody into the corner, a hard right hand, and Tony goes for the cover, but only a two count. Body slam by Hame, a jumping elbow drop, another near fall. Norton ducks a short arm clothesline, retaliates with a clothesline, and a backdrop of his own for a two count. Scott then tosses Tony to the ropes, hitting a spine buster, a short arm clothesline. Rainmaker! Goes up to the top rope. Hame is up, yanking on the ropes to crotch Norton. That's the one spot that stinks because it's so bad looking. The nope. yank on the ropes? Yeah. yeah. It's like he just drops down. It doesn't sell the like nut shot very well and it's like obviously it didn't shake him like it just like those are always kind of shoddy but this one is just like kind of eye roll and the rest of the match these guys are legitimately like laying in on each other yeah so that kind of like is the one thing that took away from this like you know this match that should be big strong boys big strong boys tony then press slams scott to the mat goes up to the top rope to hit a flying clothesline for the pin and the win. I didn't think Tony was going to win, but I can see them trying to put Tony over as a big old shit heel. I mean, he's a big dude. He's I terrifying. I want to put him over. I honestly would like to. I need. To, I want to go back and watch some Tony Hallmay matches from wherever. Probably not the ones where he has to do gimmick matches in the WWF. I'm sure that I, I'm sure that those don't look like this did. <laughs> and I want something that looks a little bit more like this. So we're off to our fifth match, Shinya Hasamoto versus Bill Kazmaier. And this match was also mm -hmm. on Daily Motion. Honestly, if you get this tape, if you find a copy of this tape, I'm sure it's, I'm sure the tape is probably streaming on Daily Motion too. The, the US probably tape. We just be. yeah, uh, but these uh, extra daily motion matches that we found are real hard hitting. Yeah. Just saying. They're hard-hitting, and none of them are too long for you to not watch. I promise they will only add to the enjoyment of the show. Exactly. Because I forgot about the about these, and then like an hour before Matt showed up, I knocked him out, and I was like, oh, man. like I'm kind of into all of this. 
That being said, Bill, he's got the he's got new shorts. But we last saw Shinya at Violent Storm in Koguki Khan, which was our G1 Climax final from last year, mm-hmm. which was episode 58. Yeah, and Shinya Hashimoto, of course, is great. Yeah, he's great. He's our, our thick our thick kicker with the uh, sideburns and the long hair. Kind of got a little bit of some, some bangs going on. Yeah. So we actually joined this match in progress as Kaz is wrenching Shinya's arm with the rope. Kicking him in the small of the back. I really like Kazmaier's use of holding somebody in the ropes here. It yeah. seemed kind of unique and uh, believable. We get a backdrop and a backbreaker by Bill, followed by a clothesline and a power slam for a two count. Kazmaier locks on the bear hug, but Shinya fights his way out, only for Bill to lift him up into a torture rack. But Hashimoto again fights his way out. And I like how Hashimoto like sells the bear hug by like kind of gagging. He's like he does like a choke, like and it's I was like, oh man, I haven't seen anybody really do that before. Good 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 on you for putting over Bill. Kaz calls for the torture rack again, goes to lifting, but Shinya escapes immediately, taking down Bill with multiple leg sweeps. And these leg sweeps are straight out of Mortal Kombat. Yeah. They are like like picturesque. Mortal Kombat leg sweeps. Hashimoto with multiple kicks, a hip toss, a headbutt, multiple spinning heel kicks to finally get Kaz down for a two count. Shinya then plants Kazmaier with a DDT for another near fall, and then hits a jumping spike DDT for the pin. Oh my god. And the win. That running DDT, it's like he freezes in the middle of the air because these men are so big they like it like time slows down and it's like like i mean to make another mortal Kombat reference it's like a fatality from like he just like legitimately like like finish (laughs) yeah like time stops as soon as he like wraps his arm around his head like laying vertically in the air and then like he drops it in incredible five minutes of uh kind of awesome and then kaz does a you know post-match beat down I believe that's what happens. So we go to our sixth match. Big Van Vader versus El Gigante. El Gigante. So the two men continuously lock up to start back and forth with strikes. But Vader ends up doing more damage, followed by an avalanche splash. Uh, Vader does leave his mask on the ramp, just a heads up. Multiple kicks by Vader. Also, my first note before this match even started was, this should be quick. Hopefully. <laughs> God willing. An elbow drop. Hits a splash to the mat. A headbutt. More clubbing forearms. And goes for another avalanche splash. But Gigante gets a big boot up. The Giants with multiple strikes locks on the claw. But Vader makes it to the rope to break the hold. But then runs into a clothesline. Gigante with a shoulder block. Sends Vader over the top rope to the ramp. And the Giant hits a headbutt. More clubbing forearms. But Vader hits back with right hands and multiple avalanche splashes. The two men continue to brawl on the ramp when the ref calls for the bell and a double count out. They got to 20. I mean, like, what are you going to do? Eligante is not getting pinned. No. And Vader is a, like, multiple, like, heavyweight champion at this point for New Japan. That's true. Also, like, El is so big that it's like, well, you can't pin him but like he also can't work so he's just like in this bizarre limbo 
So like he's only exciting because he's large, and we've seen large people in America. So he's probably more interesting in Japan, where the average height is smaller. Yeah, I will say, I loved L on the first show because I was just happy for him because he was having a good time yeah. and I felt good about it. And this is just kind of whatever. But I have noticed that he has gained m- mass. Like he hasn't gotten like it's good mass. Like Elegante has muscled up a bit. Yes. He looks better with some weight on him, but it's not the wrong kind of weight. But after the ref calls for the bell, Vader grabs his metal helmet mm-hmm. that he had left on the ramp, sticks Gigante's head right over, where, top of it. over the top of it, mm-hmm. and then fires the smoke right into the eyes. Pretty good. And if, you know, if this was in a... If Elegante was staying in Japan, maybe you could... Uh, work this up. You could have uh, a match where Elegante wears white contacts, is blind, and you get maybe like an Elegante <laughs> trying to be as fucking good as uh, Jake and uh, was it not Tito? It's um, Rick, Martel. Rick Martel. Yes, pay to see that monstrosity. Elegante doing a blind match against Van Vader <laughs> in front of fifty thousand people. What a mistake! It just sounds like a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So our seventh match. Antonio Inoki. The chin! Versus Hiroshi Hase. The, yeah, not not the chin, but Hiroshi Hase. Whew. So this match is also, we also found on Daily Motion. And I know we've talked about Inoki before on the Dusty Finish. Yeah. But this is our first time to see him. Yeah. And I've seen, so, I personally have seen other Inoki matches, but none that were as good good as this is about to be because i've seen anoki do like the death match like fire island 60 minute you've seen that match. i watched i watched it i was exercising at the time so at least you know it was a more casual watch but yeah and i've seen i've watched the muhammad ali thing which we all it's like oh it's like you it's it's worth the watch but you're not gonna rewatch it but we all know what Enochiism is, right? Yes. I mean, I don't know if we've talked about it, but it's he's mixing shoot fighting and wrestling. Yeah, he does. And uh, this match we're about to talk about has some strong shoot vibes. Very much so. It's like there's a conversation had because these guys are laying in on a bunch of this stuff. I'm not saying it's not predetermined, it's not a real shoot, but they're definitely going a little heavy on each other. And... You can feel it. It's, it's palpable. So Antonio Inoki is a New Japan, professional wrestling, WCW, WWE, and Wrestling Observer newsletter. Hall of Famer. I mean, Antonio Inoki is one. If there's a Rushmore, is, he, is his face on the Rushmore? As far as like historical importance. Historical importance to like wrestling? Not, not, like, not as a wrestler. But it's like just kind of the whole thing. It's hard. I don't know how to overall how to, wrestling. Probably not. You don't think so? I mean, because like what? You know, I mean, Vern if, you to, if you were to go ask a wrestling fan right now about Antonio Inoki, they probably have no clue about Antonio Inoki. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not saying that. Uh, yeah. he, I'm not saying that he wasn't important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To wrestling. 
But all, those, all, all those people feel... are just going to say, like, The Rock, Shawn Michaels, S- Steve Austin, The Undertaker. But... But that's not the right answer. Be on it. I mean... Those are workers. I mean, yeah. I would put Hogan, Flair, Austin, and Vince McMahon on my... Oh, well, yeah, but my, I'm talking... Not Rushmore. I'm talking more of, like, a... I guess a more of, like, behind the scenes, but Antonio Noki's not behind the scenes because he's kind of doing too much it's weird there's there of course there isn't that but he is he's the he's kind of like the the japan guy right i mean him and baba are the yeah guys yeah i mean i think that's you basically have to make a decision which if you're gonna put a japan guy on there it's which which one is it yeah so i mean he's got a better face that's the reason why no he might have the greatest face in all of wrestling honestly (laughs) just because like no, he has potentially the greatest face of all time. It's like you shot steroids into like Elvis's face, and also <laughs> he was Japanese. It's good. Anyway. So Inoki comes out to some pretty epic sounding music. Yeah, this show has like a live band on the stage, but the music is mostly like dubbed over on the VHS tape. Yeah. And I don't know if I caught if it was live here or not, but I also noticed in some of the entrances, because the quality is not great on the video, but it's very watchable. We only see a couple actual entrances. Yes, but you, thing. I could see somebody playing the guitar, and it looked like that like Robert Palmer video. Yeah. And I was, like, I was like, I don't think that person's playing the guitar. But also, there's like somebody playing a drum kit up there that's like huge. So like, it can't, you can't... It's probably easier to fake a guitar from far away than somebody playing the drums. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm not sure what's going on. So we jump forward after the wrestling ad- announcements to see Hase controlling the arm before taking Inoki over with a belly-to-belly suplex. Hiroshi goes for a snapmare, but is blocked, and Antonio locks on a sleeper hold, which Hase sells like he passes out after only a second oh, in yeah. the hold. And, like, the Inoki's, like, unwillingness to, like, sell moves makes them not not that he's not selling them but they look more real because you can like feel the weight of these guys doing these things to each other because it's not as crisp it doesn't feel like it feels less jackie chan and more mma in in look Mm -hmm. i just felt every single like punch of this match and it i found it really impressive some young lions give Hase some water, which he then spits at Inoki. <laughs> so Antonio hits a flipping heel kick, a backdrop, and a double underhook suplex for a two count. Inoki tries for the sleeper again, but Hiroshi makes it to the ropes to break the hold. Slaps by Antonio, but Hase retaliates with several headbutts to take Inoki to the mat. Oh, headbutts, oh my. Antonio back, is back up with right hands, kicks... Puts a leg lock on, but Hiroshi reverses it into an Indian death lock, which then Anoki counters with a chin lock. Yeah, it kind of has like still in the hole. It has like yeah, like it's like he um, Hase kind of turns it to like a STF ish thing, right? It's the Indian death lock. It's the Indian death lock. Oh yeah, yeah, kind of thing. I was trying to figure out exactly what it was, but I was like, well, STF is the first thing in my head. The legs are in like an STF, Uh but then they bridge Bridge over and grab the 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 head or forehead. So Noki, Noki's tied up like that, but then he works his way into while he's being in like he's in a neck hole and being stretched. He's put 
Hase in a neck hold that's also very believable to break it, and yeah. uh, it's incredible. Antonio then rolls them over and puts the Indian Deathlock on Hase as well, oh very God. briefly. It's quick, they're back up, but it's like the way more map wrestling. Yes. Damn it. Hiroshi then hits three twisting Uranagis, which are rock bottoms. Yeah. For the pin. No, Inoki kicks out. What I I also love that these guys are like they'll do a move and it looks it looks fucking brutal. And then they'll just do it again, like three times in a row, like and it's just like that's what I need to do to put this guy down. Hase then hits a fourth Uranagi, ah. but doesn't make the cover. Tries for a fifth one, but Antonio blocks and wrenches on Hiroshi's arm followed by an Insiguri, and goes for the sleeper, only to release him to hit another Insiguri. He just hit threw the sleeper on there to like make sure he could get the next fucking kick to the head. Anoki then puts on the Octopus Lock, or Manjigatami for our Japanese friends. Uh, okay. But Hase makes it to the ropes to break the hold. Antonio then hits a couple more Insiguris before putting the Octopus Lock... A couple more Insiguris, but these Insiguris are... Brutal. Inoki is the creator of the Insiguri. Yeah, and he it was looks... the guy who his, came up with it. And I will honestly say, his look the best because they look the most real. They look like somebody kicks somebody in the head. But he locks the octopus hold on once again for the submission and, and the, the win. win. I'm so glad I didn't forget these matches because this rocked my world. This was a great match. Is, does this not feel like a fucking fight? Yeah. Like, we love, like, current New Japan because of sports-based presentation, uh, because of the, because we can get lost in it, but it doesn't even look as brutal and as, like, as real as this does. No. Yeah, yeah, this looks incredible, and it's one of, this has kind of sold me on the, like, I don't like the idea of people going in there and hurting each other. Wrestling is the whole idea is to make it look real and not hurt them. But then you see something like this, and you're just like, "Well, I don't know how I feel anymore because I want to <laughs> see this a lot." Yeah. And the crowd, of course, obviously was nuts. It was Inoki and Hase. Like this was this could have been the the like main event. Yeah. And like, but it wasn't for a title, right? No. Or, yeah. There's no belts on the line. Yeah, yeah. So this was just kind of a. Just an event. It's like a, a special, special singles match. Singles match. Yeah. Man. Everyone pump me up. Eric Bischoff then tells us about Wrestle War 91. Previews the next match. But Maybe. we will cover Wrestle War 91 in about four weeks. So join us then as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully it's good. Hopefully. Hopefully it's good. I say that every time I start these things up. I mean, if WCW stays on this two-on, two-off. Then are we counting this as a WCW show? Are we counting this as a New Japan show? Well, I mean, I'm gonna go New Japan because it's in Japan, and the reason that this show is so good is because it's Japanese guys versus, and like some like okay. like here, like one of the reasons the show is so good is like, well then that these should, two Japanese guys. Then that should mean that Wrestle War is a good show. Hopefully, because it's. I don't know if I can do. It'll be on the on. At the very least, it can't be. It can't be Toilet Bowl 91. It can't be. But it might be. <laughs> Don't talk to me like that. I have no clue. I <laughs> yeah, I know, I, I know. 
I know you haven't watched it yet. And Whew. All right. So we're off to our eighth match. Lex Luger versus Masahiro Chono for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. And this is Luger's first time in Japan? It is. Because he wasn't there last year. He was not. And we haven't seen Chono since Violent Storm, which was episode 58. I mentioned that earlier. But... Mm-hmm. So the two men lock up to start with no one gaining an advantage. Of course Chono is going to get the pop. Of course. Until Lex gains control with a side headlock and a shoulder block, followed by a military press slam. Luger starts running the ropes and ducks a Chono clothesline, coming back, but Masahiro with a drop toe hold and locks on the STF, only for Lex to make it to the ropes very, very quickly. quickly. Yeah, you got to. I mean, I, w- I said STF earlier, but Masahiro Chono is the STF. Yes. So, you know, if you didn't know, that's, that's, that's all him. The two go for a test of strength, taking Chono down to his knees, but escapes with a knee lift and a suplex. Arm wrenches, hammer locks, drop toe holds, more arm wrenches, all between the two until a knee lift by Luger gains control. Lex is running the ropes, taken down with a hip toss and an arm drag right into an arm lock, where Masahiro working the arm. Luger is Irish whipped into the corner. Chono charges in while Lex charges out, and Masahiro goes to the mat for a two count. I think this was a botch, by the way. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a little sloppy. This is a very good match, but you know. Had its moments. It, yeah, it's, uh, that wasn't the best one. Luger, with multiple kicks, tosses Chono to the corner and charges in. But Masahiro moves out of the way for Lex to hit the turnbuckle chest first, followed by another arm drag into an arm lock. Eye rake by Luger, Irish whip that's reversed, but Lex charges out with a clothesline to take Chono down. Luger hits a rubber band slam, another clothesline, and a vertical suplex for a two count. Masahiro's back on his feet with several strikes, a leaping kick, back suplex, goes to run the ropes, but Lex catches him with a power slam and a DDT. Ugh. Wild ass DDT. I, this is the first time we've seen Lex do a DDT, right? I think he's hit one before. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's not... It's not one of his yeah. normal moves. No, but no. Luger calls for the torture rack and picks up Chono, but Masahiro escapes and pulls Lex over with a backslide pin attempt for a two count. Masahiro then, with a running big boot, locks on the single leg crap before turning it into the STF. And again, Luger crawls his way to the ropes to break the hold. Chono continues the attack with a running forearm, goes to the top rope, connecting with a flying shoulder block. Masahiro charges in with a clothesline. Lex ducks, and Chono goes flying out to the floor. But Masahiro comes right back in to Uh roll up Luger. For a near fall. That was so good because you're like, oh, he's to the floor, so Lex is gonna follow him out and he's gonna hit him. But like, as soon as you have that thought, like Chono has a slid back into the ring and rolls him up, and it's like, oh, like this is how you, this is how you subvert expectations. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Chono's up arguing with the ref, so Lex comes in from behind to cradle him up for a two count as well. Luger then goes for a body slam, but Masahiro reverses it into one more roll-up that gets another two count. Chono then with a headbutt, goes up to the top rope, and comes off with a flying shoulder block once again, but Lex sidesteps him. Luger then picks Masahiro up into the torture rack, but they get too close to the ropes, where they both end up crashing over to the floor. Yeah, wiggle your way out, Chono. Lex continues the attack, running Chono into a guardrail. 
puts him into the torture rack again while still on the floor. Luger rolls in at the count of 11, and Masahiro is struggling to get to his feet, but makes it back in just in time. I think he, I think he comes in at the 18. Lex then goes for a vertical suplex, but Chono floats over, only for Luger to hit a mule kick low blow. <sighs> Lex then comes off the second rope with a double axe handle for the pin and the win. Boo. I mean... Lex won from the low blow. So, like, it still protects Chono, but I was bummed about the low blow. I mean, Luger's not our world's greatest heel, but he's trying. He's doing something. He's trying. He, I think that he's too scared to go full heel. Because, like, I feel like that he's like, oh, well, I have to be a face at some point again. Look at me. I don't know. I don't know, but, like, it's like, you, can, you why don't you just go full heel? He was always better as a heel, but he's not even—he's not even coming close to how good he was when he was the U.S. champ as a heel. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Maybe he's whatever. He killed Miss Elizabeth. Fuck him. <laughs> you can cut that if you need to. <laughs> so we go to our ninth match: Ricky Choshu versus Tatsumi Fujinami for the greatest 18 championship and the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Can I ask you, what is the greatest 18 championship? So we saw it at the last Super Show. Yeah. It was the first time that it, it like actually was between... I think it was like it's kind the of first debut time, or maybe yeah. the first time it was defended. Greatest 18 was designed to be a basically like their Hall of Fame type thing. And yeah. a championship to honor that. So it's basically like if you've been around... If you uh, if you have dad status, this is the dad status like banger belt. I mean, I don't know, like I don't know how to put it. I'm I mean, Chosu is the only person that's had the belt at all at this point. So yeah, I mean, it has been defended over the years since we've seen him. It's not like it was like that one time and then it's like yeah, it's a ceremony. He has defended it. They're not never six man. No. <laughs> so the last time we saw Fujinami was at Super Brawl One which was episode 56, and Choshu at Violent Storm, which was episode 58. So this match starts up, lots of lockups, side headlocks, arm locks, reverse chin locks to start, until Choshu hits a fireman's carry slam. They kick it up with that, that good mat. We get a test of strength next, a drop toe hold into a headlock by Ricky, and is tossed to the ropes, but then hits a shoulder block and goes back to the reverse chin lock. Fujinami has Choshu backed into a corner and then slaps him out of frustration. Hell yeah. Tatsumi with a shoulder block and a body slam goes for the cover, but Ricky is in the ropes. Fujinami with a snapmare, a reverse chin lock, but Choshu retaliates with a back suplex and a knee lift to the midsection. Ricky with a double leg takedown looks to lock on the scorpion deathlock, but it takes him a minute to get Tatsumi fully turned over. But Choshu just relinquishes the hold and begins to fire away with kicks. Fujinami catches one of the kicks, takes Ricky down to the mat to lock on the Scorpion Deathlock himself. Or the Sasa Origatami. Oh. That's for our Japanese fans again. Oh, does it mean, is it? But Choshu big, makes it to the rope to break the hold. Tatsumi with several kicks, a drop kick, locks on a side headlock, which Ricky tries to escape with a back suplex. But Fujinami turns over to land on top of Choshu. 
Tatsumi goes up to the top rope, coming off with a gorilla knee drop. Hits a pile driver, a snapmare, goes for the dragon sleeper, but again, Ricky makes it to the ropes. Fujinami then locks on a sleeper before switching it to the dragon sleeper, but Choshu slips out. Tatsumi then locks on the octopus hold, which Ricky powers out of, only for Fujinami to hit a body slam, go up to the top rope, but Choshu meets him there to hit a superplex, going to run the ropes only to run into a dropkick from Tatsumi for a two count. Fujinami with an Okada roll, but never gets on top, ends up going to the side headlock only for Ricky to hit multiple back suplexes and multiple lariats for the pin and the win. I feel like that moved too quick. Talking about it, because when I was watching it, I was just like hanging on everything. So this would make Ricky Choshu and new. Wild. This match rules, and I feel like I don't don't have a lot to say about how good it is outside of that you should just watch it. The that like Deathlock three part process, like when he steps over and like stomps, and you can just like feel the mat shake, is like one of the greatest things ever. It was like a chef's kiss. I was like, ah, my God. (laughs) So this would actually be the last time that we see the greatest 18 championship for over 20 years. Just because is it become like the TV title? Uh, The title would end up being discarded by the end of the year. Oh, really? Because basically the IW, they had basically just unified it here in this yeah match. yeah i mean duh and so like it doesn't mean anything anymore exactly what you do is you like make it like a, an uh add-on so it's like it's like when you buy the power rangers toys and you have to make like a, a mecha zord or whatever it's called <laughs> the mecha greatest yeah or, or when like yeah or when like girls have their like engagement ring but it's also like kind of like one in the same of their, you know, it ties into the other one. <laughs> so you have your greatest 18 and it just like locks on. So we're headed off to our 10th match. So yeah, the last one wasn't our main event. I guess yeah. this is kind of co-main events. Kind of wild that... I mean, I think probably on the actual show... Oh, you think so? The IWGP Heavyweight Championship was probably the main event... Because I think there's another video that's out there that actually does have it last. Yeah. But since we have the American pay-per-view version, the match that went on last. Well, I just... Uh, I, yeah, well, the, the, and what's on Wikipedia shows us that Okay. our 10th match is the main event. That, I mean, you would think that that's probably in the right order. But I don't know. There's also a 12... Can you imagine there being a 12-minute title exchange in new japan at this point in time at this point in time no but they used to do it all the time yeah i mean 12 minutes you can have a great match in 12 minutes uh that match proved that yeah like yeah but i'm willing to believe that this is the last one this sting muda steiners but so as you mentioned our 10th match mm -hmm. sting and the great muda versus the steiner brothers of rick Rick and scott steiner as if you didn't know so as the Steiners make their way to the ring, you can see a... This is the rock band you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. It's a girl rock band 
playing in the background. Yeah, I could see that there was a girl playing a green guitar, but outside of that, I was like, because everyone's so spread apart. Like, this is like a, a couple girls up there. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty, like, I mean, it's the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, it's a really big place. Like the there's fifty. They're coming out there. of center field and yeah. making their way down this huge long <laughs> yeah. ramp to yeah. where second base is. Mm-hmm. Usually, so yeah, it's quite a ways out there. Yeah, dancers and a gymnast lead Muda out to the ring. Oh yeah, there's glitter for Sting, and Sting, of course, Muda's gonna come out last because he's Muda. But Sting gets like this weird glitter stuff coming out, and then Muda comes before Muda comes out. There's like some like parkour, like you know, yeah. flippy flippy guys come out and do flippy stuff. They probably could get a job at AEW tomorrow. But uh, then Muda gets big old sparkle, but like giant like you know, fountain sparkles, mm-hmm. sparklers, whatever you call them. But Muda's coming out in like a real cool like blacked out samurai headdress looking thing. He does that because yeah. most people don't. It's always a surprise if he's going to be, be wearing Muda, face pants, mu- being Muda, Muda or if he's going to be KG Muta. Yeah, yeah. It's he's Finn Balor's done it. Yeah. Is he going to be the demon? Is yeah. he going to be Finn Balor? Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Before the match gets going, I guess uh, Muda he pulls you know his headdress off. He has blue face paint on. It looks really cool. Also, Sting is wearing blue and white face paint. Exactly. So it kind of you know. And then Muda spits out blue mist. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I was expecting green because, you know, whatever. Well. Green or red, but blue. I'd have. That's the first time I've seen Muda spit blue mist. I think that's the only time I've seen blue mist. I think so, too. I popped for it. The whole, all 50,000 people did as well. Scott and Muda start us off, circling each other for a bit until a spine buster from Steiner. Tossed to the ropes, a mist clothesline, and Muda rolls under before hitting a spinning hill kick and a drop kick. All I'm saying is, if the match starts with the spine buster, where does it go from here? Scott's tossed to the ropes but holds on while Muda tries for another drop kick, only to miss. Rick with a knee lift, a sting, a hip toss, a Steiner line, goes up to the top, coming off with a bulldog for a two count. <sighs> Rick then Irish whips the stinger, but Sting charges out of the corner with a clothesline, a running face plant, and a running power slam into the turnbuckle. Mm. Sting with the Irish whip charges in for the stinger splash, but Rick moves at the last second for Sting to hit the ring post. Post it. Scott's in with the tiger driver, a tilt-a-whirl slam, goes for an Irish whip that's reversed, and Sting ducks his head, allowing Steiner to come back with a forearm across the back before picking him up for a tombstone pile driver, but the stinger reverses it into one of his own. And this is like a, a minute and 30 seconds in, right? Yeah. It's like, it's just big dick moves. All day long. All, da- all damn day long. Elbow dropped by Sting. Muda's in off the top rope with a single sledge, a snapmare, and a twisting elbow drop to Scott. Muda's working on Steiner's arm, but Scott reverses it into a T-bone suplex. Rick tags in and picks up Muda to take him to the top rope, hitting a second rope overhead belly-to-belly suplex and then a reverse German suplex for a two count. I'm like, what's a T-bone suplex? It's almost like an angle slam, basically. Okay, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. Because, I mean, like, I've... I I watch this match, but sometimes you see weird suplex... uh, Combinations. Combinations, like, 
we all know our like belly to bellies are Germans and like fishermen's you see less gut wrench see a little bit less whatever but like you know the butterfly yeah. that we saw recently and then this like t-bone i was like i didn't know what to call it i was like the, the soup does the suplex question it's mark suplex. it's a yeah but the thing special about suplexes is they're not all the same and everyone rules scott comes in with a pump handle slam picks up muda placing him on the top rope and hits a second rope samoan drop before locking on a dragon sleeper but muda makes it to the ropes to break the hold Scott picks Muda up onto his shoulder while Rick climbs to the top rope and comes off with an elbow for a near fall. Rick then hits the running power slam into the turnbuckle on Muda. Ah. Scott's in with a belly-to-belly suplex before throwing Muda out to the floor where Rick hits a belly-to-belly suplex there. <laughs> the When they slam him like upside down, like gut into the turnbuckle, rough. It's just so rough. Once back in the ring, Scott tosses Muda to the ropes, who ducks a clothesline, and Muda hits a German suplex of his own before making the tag. Muda is the Sam Houston of this match. He is just getting beat <laughs> to shit because he's Muda, and he's always gonna, like, he is, he's gonna be over. Plus, everybody here, like, almost, like, the Steiners are, like, almost double his weight Yeah. anyway, and Sting, you know, still has, you know, 50 pounds on him, probably. Stings in with a flurry of offense, Irish whipping Rick to the corner before hitting the stinger splash. Muda follows with a handspring back elbow. But no, Rick catches him and delivers another German suplex, making the cover, but Sting breaks it up. I popped so hard for that, because like, who would have thought that he's going to get caught? They're They're in Japan, he came out last, he's bumping his ass off. You think this is where it turns around and Muda gets some shit in, but Muda is that guy. Yeah. He is he is that bitch. He's willing to to put it over for the paycheck. You know, you know he got paid more than any of these any of these guys. <laughs> and he deserves it cuz he's getting thrown around by ter- ter- terribly large men. All four men are brawling inside the ring. Sting Irish whips Rick hard into the turnbuckle. Scott goes for an Irish whip on Muda, but is reversed, and Sting joins him in delivering a double-team faceplant, followed by the Stinger press-slamming Muda onto Rick, sending them both over the top rope to the floor. Sting then comes off the top rope with a tope onto Rick, but Scott's there to brawl with the Stinger, when Muda comes flying through the ropes with a plancha (laughs) to take him down. Sting and Muda roll it's back. Kind of like our Liger spot from earlier. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, here you are. Sting and Muda roll back into the ring, celebrating while the Steiners climb to the top rope, coming off with stereo flying clotheslines. Rick then hits a belly-to-belly suplex on Muda, while Sting is tossed to the ropes by Scott, who goes for a tilt-a-whirl slam, but the Stinger reverses it into a victory roll. Both Rick and Sting make the cover for the pin and the win. Uh, there, it's it's so hard to talk about these, to, for you to verbally talk about these finishes because they're your, your stereo finishes, if you will. Rick starts celebrating, but the ref raises Sting's arm. The signers are complaining, but then everyone just shakes hands out of respect. Yes. 
it's kind of like I said, it, this matches for to send everybody home happy as if the show wasn't good enough in the first place. But like nobody loses anything here. Also, I love how hard JR puts over this whole show. He's like, I'd like to see more of this in the United States. And I'm like, yes, JR. I would like yeah. to as well. And we never have or will. I mean, you know, there's times for sure. There's things I there's plenty of things I haven't seen, but it's different. We then get highlights from the evening are shown as JR and Tony recap the evening. Eric Bischoff hypes us for Wrestle War 91 once again, which we'll cover in four weeks, mm-hmm. before saying his goodbyes, and we get credits. Yes, we do. So, Michael Temple, yeah, I ask you, what are your overall thoughts of WCW New Japan Super Show 2? This show rocks butt. I already cursed, so I broke the gimmick a while ago. But like, well, the gimmick you know, was for only for last. Yeah, week. yeah. This show gets five out of five funky monkeys. Really? Yeah. It's. I mean, like you know, it's not a perfect show or whatever, but it's perfectly entertaining. There is nothing here that is boring. There is nothing here that is particularly uh, stupid. The energy is huge, and. There's no Fantasia. There's no Arachnaman. There's like there's no Oz. There's no you know Missy Hyatt uh, in the locker room. It is a wrestling ra- show, and uh, everyone wrestles, and none of it sucks. The worst thing is, okay, I'm not gonna put over Elegante and Vader, but it is what it is. I'm not mad at that because Elegante has to fight somebody. Like, yeah. he's big, he's tall, he's a thing. But, like, outside of that, the rest of the show is good. And there's plenty of matches on the show that I would show somebody that isn't necessarily into wrestling, this main event being one of them. Because it is just <laughs> full-on and a real ass-kicking. So I usually write my thoughts down before we show up, just so I... I'm not lost in... Yeah, I basically kind of just finished the show. And when I first watched this, I was kind of like, it was a good show, but nothing like was absolutely spectacular for me. I mean, yeah, I'm listening. But I'm listening. going through it again here... Kind of like how the the toilet bowl was not as bad when I was talking to you about it. Exactly. I realized that I liked everything more of, the, more of these matches more than I thought you did than I thought I did. Yeah. Cause I mean, there are some really great moments in this show because there are tons of great wrestlers <laughs> yes. on this show. Yeah. And they're not, and they're, it's a, they're wrestling Japanese style. A lot of them are. Yes. Even like, even every match is it, is a Japanese style with the exception I mean, of like we agree that Vader and Gigante is the worst match. Yeah, but it gets the pass because it's the shortest, and it only exists to have El Gigante there because he got a pretty big pop last time, and they don't know what to do with him. And it feels like I know there are a couple matches that you probably like way more than I do, mm-hmm. but the final few matches are all. Come pretty on. spot on. Come on, pretty yeah. spot on. Like Sting, Moody, and Steiner stuff. Brothers. I would, I would show that to my fucking dad who doesn't give a 
fucking shit about wrestling. Be like, oh yeah, you got eleven minutes. Like, that's entertainment. Any way you slice it, that it's entertaining. My, that wasn't my favorite match on this show. Oh, I believe I believe you, and I don't even really know what my favorite match is. But that's the one that where you're like, oh, here, to somebody else maybe. Are maybe. you? What's your What's your favorite? I like the Inoki Hase match the best. That's my favorite as well because, like I said, I was freaking out about it while we were talking about it. It almost looks like a shoot fight. That's the match I would show people. Yeah, but the thing is, is like, I can't tell them that this is what wrestling is all the time. Whereas, like, I can be this other thing and be like, "Hey, like, really good wrestling this is what sometimes." Good wrestling is all the time. <sighs> But it's still even good wrestling's not like that all the time. Whereas like the Sting, Muda, Steiner brothers be like, hey, like, this most, is something that's pretty attainable. The thing attainable. is, most American wrestling isn't as good as Steiner's. That's the problem. Well, no, no. But like, this is a thing that is attainable. You can get some matches that look more like Sting, Muda, Steiner brothers in like NXT on a regular basis. Whereas you're not going to get Anoki Hase. I don't know. I think Anoki Hase is... Is up there as well. You know, but I'm saying you're not gonna, you're not gonna. That's not as uh, attainable like in a current product. I feel like really? both matches are they're basically just hitting big move after big move, which is what the current product is nowadays. Yeah, but the Inoki Hase thing for me felt less clean, but it still felt. I don't know. It had it had more energy and more weight. The moves had more like weight for some reason. Just because that's their style. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. In Japan. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. So, I mean, they try and make everything that feel more real. But that one, for some reason, felt even more real than the ones that feel real. I don't know. Maybe it's because I just watched it, but damn. Those two, you could put them neck and neck. They're, I feel like they're a little bit, a little bit different. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. So some of the best moments of the evening for you. Well, on the lighter side of things, I would put my heart growing two sizes too big for Dusty. Dusty protecting the natural and him dancing and getting his pop made me feel real good, even though... In hindsight, it's I mean, kind of whatever. Just like emotionally, like I, I was happy for him. Like I mentioned earlier, like them just putting Dusty in there, but not making him have to do anything. That yeah, I mean, they talk about him being retired because he is. It's just like one of the things. It's like, well, we're here. Why would we not do this? Yeah, I really we got an Arn Anderson spinebuster, so that's always one of the best moments of the show. Yeah, and we got the we got the um, the the like head push spot. Yes, which I'm a huge fan of. O'Hara's energy was surprising and enjoyable, and I don't know if he goes on to have a strong career or not, but he looks very promising here. I believe he wins the Young Lions Cup later in the year. Yeah, but, but he never literally becomes... Literally, he never does anything really... Uh, that's a bummer, because he looks great here, right? Yeah. He's got a good look, and he's just got the energy. It's, it's good stuff. Like I said, the only truly disappointing thing is Vader Gigante, because even, like... I didn't expect as good of a match from Kazmaier as we got, and I didn't expect Scott and Hallmay to be entertaining, but I liked both those matches quite a bit. I agree. Also, Lex and Chono. I mean, Masahiro Chono. See, that's probably my second least favorite match. Really? Is your least favorite the six-man? No, my least favorite is Vader. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. 
You like we, this... we agree on that one. Being yeah, the... yeah. I didn't even. I wasn't even counting it there. Uh, the six man. I just don't was had cool spots, but I had. I did not care what happened. It, I didn't care what over. happened either, but it was still. I, I'm a mark for Liger. Yeah. So I I agree, but I was more emotionally invested in Luger Chono because I'm typically more interested in singles matches unless the tag teams are established or working on being established. Luger just he, he just completely just seems disinterested in doing anything at this point, and so yeah. But I mean, I remember. When we started the show, you said you were a Luger fan. Are you a Luger fan later, or were you a Luger fan earlier, or is this shedding new light on your Luger fandom? I, I mean, I like the torture rack. I think it's a cool move. Okay, so you were more of a torture mark than yeah. a Luger mark. I didn't love Luger. Yeah, yeah. How about disappointing on this show? Kind of talked about it. I mean, a little bit, yeah. There's not a whole lot to dis- be disappointed about this show. No, I would say that some of the more disappointing things are the the whole show is not just collected in one place. Because it's like, oh, you're doing this super show, and you're putting over, like, you're doing Japanese and American talent. Why not put over that American talent, or that Japanese like, talent a little bit more? The question is, why would, I mean, not that I really like, what I'm about to say is not... I'm not saying that they should have done this. Yeah. I'm saying, why would you put the IWGP Heavyweight Championship match between two Japanese guys on the pay-per-view, but you would leave off the Bill Kazmaier match? Yeah, especially if you're trying to put Bill over. Like, if you're going to show your WCW guys, like, it almost would have made more sense if they hadn't put the IWGP match yeah. on the pay-per-view. I'm glad they did. I mean, yeah, it's a great match. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm glad they did. Yeah, it's a good match. But, it, like, my your argument being, like, well, if you're going to put that on there, then, like, why not Inoki and why not Bill and why not even yeah, the Scott like, Norton match? Why would you not put the Inoki-Hase match on? Yeah, those three matches only add, like, another 30 minutes, and then that makes it, like, a normal pay-per-view length. Exactly. It still puts it under 250, which is pretty and normal. There's, there's technically... Two matches that we couldn't find video of. Thank God. That are, I think they're both six man, eight man tags, something like that. So. Oh no, it's a uh, Black Cat. Oh yeah, there's and, one and singles match. Yamoto, and then it's not Mr. Hughes. No, it's a no. different. Oh, oh, is it yeah. a different Black Cat? Okay. When it said uh, Big Cat or no Black Cat, sorry. Black Cat, not yeah. Big Cat. Yeah, Black Cat is a different guy. Yeah. The shows, so I can understand those not being on there, but the other ones, it's like, well. So who is your best performer of the evening? Antonio Noki's chin. I really thought you <laughs> you were going to probably go, like, before we showed up, I really figured you were going to go with Muda or the Steiners. Oh, like, I mean, I, that was kind of a joke. It's really hard to choose. But I'm like... Anoki's chin? I fucking love... Hir- Hiroshi Hase, Hase. Oh, yeah. Got performer of the year, or performer of the night on the last Super Show, and yeah. he lost... And again, and did the same thing. He's getting performer of the night from me again. Yeah, and he lost his match. I mean, so what I'm saying is Hiroshi Hase for president. I need to fucking find more <laughs> Hiroshi, Hiroshi Hase, Hase matches. matches. Yeah, I'm with you there because, like I said, of this whole of this whole show, which there's only one bad match. The one that I was most like edge of the seat. You know, we all know that wrestling is a work, and the thing is the suspension of. Belief. belief so 
if we're going to rate it on rate it like that, if we're going to talk about it like that, that's the match. Yeah. That 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 pulled that off. Cuz there's plenty of matches that I love that don't pull that off. Like consistently where I'm like, "Oh yeah, like I like this guy and that guy and I know who's going to win, but sometimes I might get lost for a second, but I still know what's going to happen." And here, you know, being so far away from it and didn't watch the build up and you know i was completely lost i was like oh we this is this is already the i guess we're in 92 now we're in 92 but if it wasn't then it would be on my short list for 91 anything surprising on the show a young lion was yeah really good in this oh he was great but we didn't know they didn't say he was i mean a young you lion. didn't know he was a young but, lion. i mean i could i could tell i had a, i had uh i was like oh i think this is a young lion and then i looked it up and was like oh okay i get it but you know it, you still you kind of knew yeah. but it but he was also not wearing black trunks and i mean blah, blah. a surprise they showed us a iwgp heavyweight title change yeah. Which, I mean, I think I, I kind of mentioned that a while ago. I was like, why would you show this match and not this match? I'm glad they showed us that match. But it's like, oh, all right. Uh, yeah. Title change. I'm like, cool. And a title change not in the in the main event is extra weird. But, uh, yeah. Basically, uh, the show rocks, and uh, you should watch if it. If you can find it, you definitely And you need, definitely can find definitely it. Need to you go. can definitely find it. Uh, and we it's can, one of those things that we like, can find. Yeah, it. if it's not on, if it's not, if it's it. not on the network, then it's on YouTube or Daily Motion. So, Google it up. I say, start with Anoki. Hit your hit your uh, your Choshu and your Steiners, and go from there. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The dusty finish. Harley Race had come back from Japan in 1979, again as NWA World's heavyweight champion. So when he decided to go back in 1980, Giant Baba had to have another chance at the belt. So on September 4th, 1980, after many near falls, Baba would hit the reverse bulldog to regain the belt for the third time in Saga, Japan. Again, Race was determined not to leave Japan without the championship around his waist when he headed back to the States. So the two men would meet five days later in Atsu, where Harley would hit an early pile driver to gain control of the match. But after missing a top rope headbutt, Baba would make a comeback until he would head to the top rope, only for race to crotching. Giant Baba would fall to the mat, and Harley would cover him for the victory and to start his fifth reign, which would give him the most reigns ever as NWA Worlds heavyweight champion. Harley Race would hold onto the title for over seven months until he met a wildfire he couldn't put out. Tommy Rich? Man, I kind of want to, I want to see this Baba match. It's weird. It's like, well, the tension sounds good. The way you built it up sounds good. Hindsight, but also like how many matches have we watched like before 1982? Like, none. Yeah. I mean, I may have watched a couple on the internet at some point, but like still pretty rarely. And also how many of them are on tape? Cable was a big uh, cable and was a big thing for wrestling. And before that, so much territory stuff. Next week, Royal Rumble 
1992. Oh, really? I did not know that. Which uh, is pretty exciting because I know that this is the best Rumble. Everyone agrees it's the best Rumble, right? Everyone does agree it's the best Rumble. So, before we move any farther, though, last year Mm -hmm. when we covered the Royal Rumble. Last year's Royal Rumble. Exactly. Last time we covered a Royal Rumble. You brought up that everyone does an atomic drop. Yeah. And we made an atomic drop bet. I remember this. You said that there would be 14. I went a little higher said 18. Yeah. Would you like to change your number? The, we, the we, drop we challenge? We made a bet oh, for, for this Royal Rumble. Oh, okay. How many there would be in the match. Would you like to change your number from 14? No. I would like to change my number. Oh, you're going lower. I am going lower. Damn. I am going down to 10. Makes it makes like, the air a little tighter. I feel like the atomic drop isn't it, quite as popular. I agree. That's why I ke- that's why I kept it the same. And 14's pretty high, but it was getting spammed pretty hard. I mean, there's before. still 30 guys in this ring, yeah. so there's a good chance. If half of if half of them do it once. Exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll say I'm sticking at 14. And it's the atomic drop is inverted or regular. Correct. Like it counts. It's the same move, which is whether they're facing you or not. So the music from this week's show is the theme song from the Super Show, and Sting made the pin, so turbocharged. Bum, bum, bum. That's how it goes, right? <laughs> it does. You're listening <laughs> to it right now. Mm-hmm. If you like us, you can rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. Go out there and give us those five stars. Five stars and those stars. Let everyone know how much you love us, so other people can find us. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. Or you can always find us on Twitter, talking New Japan, you know, yeah. their current things sometimes, posting links to videos that we find that are interesting. Yeah, get some shows that we watch, posters of shows that we're covering, all that stuff. You can find that at wrestlinghistoryx, that's wrestling H-I-S-T-O. We'll talk to you next week.